This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Love Talk Radio. up this morning looking for my shoes look behind the trunk found the hesitation blues lordy tell me how long lordy tell me how long will i have to wait will i have to wait can i get you now can i get you now must i hesitate Blues overtake me, rock away from here Lordy, tell me how long Lordy, tell me how long Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? It is so hot out here. 
We're dying. Wonderful. No, it's not wonderful. In fact, when 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 I'm Mr. Green Christmas. I'm Mr. Sun. I'm Mr. Heat Blister. I'm Mr. Hundred and One. Uh, that's that's. I think we beat that today. It is hot. It is so freaking hot. So, anyways, uh, we're gonna find out how Patrick James Ryan is beating the heat because this. We're in California. At least we're dry. He's in Columbus, Ohio, and he's got humid, and that is not fun. I've lived in South Carolina just about my whole life. I know all about that humidity, and it is not a pleasure to deal with. We're going to be talking about his uh, new books, uh, his new book, not books. Geez, he must be a genius if he's putting out four at a time. We're talking about his new book, Out of the Shadows which is a great book for anybody to read. And we're going to bring him on in any second. Nick, uh, do you want to call it or do you want to say anything? Yeah, I, I'm going to call in just just a tickle. Well, we got to bring here just Yeah, hold, on, hold on a second. Hold on. Oh, make an announcement. Yeah, make an announcement. Oh, yeah. She told me to make an announcement. So let's see, announcements, announcements. I'm in the middle of putting out more books, but lately, of course, we got Patrick James Ryan's Out of the Shadows. And uh, we got Chris Miller's The Damn Place that just came out, as well as The Bride of Hamsterstein, the latest Monsters book by Raina Young. And she's coming out with an adult novel pretty soon, too. And also the great Matthew Ewald, um, who uh, has been – he, he does just nothing but acting and acting. And when he's not doing nothing but acting and acting, which is kind of like a like – a, like a, uh, I don't know how you can, like... Hobby? Yeah, something like, well, no. But uh, uh, he he writes horror novels, too, you know. So he uh, he has a couple out that are really fantastic, Human Nature. And uh, Human Nature, which is, uh, it, it's a great, great... I mean, you guys, you got to check out, you got to check out his stuff. Um, and uh, this new one, The Coffin Clock, is on the horizon, folks. So anyway, so that's coming out also as well. And I'm uh, I'm working to make some deals with um, some uh, book distributors, and there's going to be some announcements this week, and uh, a lot of other stuff is going on. Just all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff. I'm like going nuts over here. We're also. Um, we're also doing more appearances uh, and stuff. Uh, I was just at uh, Sinister Creature Con with uh, author Derek Muck of the Demon Seeds, and this October they're having another Sinister Creature Con that's going to have the likes of um, of Tony Todd, um, Tom Holland, the director of Fright Night, and um, uh, Billy Zane, and uh, um, oh, and uh, off the top of my head, oh yeah. Um, uh, I forgot her name already. Um, the, uh, she was the porn star that turned into an actress that did um, uh, Not From This Earth. Uh, I forgot her name already. Anyway, she's going to be there, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to have a table with Fred Weehy and Derek Muck, oh, which is going to be great. And uh, also, of course, we've been preparing. We're, we're as practically as we speak, um, preparing the backyard for a Huge, huge Halloween shindig here at Black Bed Cheat Studios. It's going to be like not twice as big, like four times as big now that we're opening the backyard. It's going to be great stuff. A lot of people and 
uh, Fred Weehy and Derek Muck are going to be here as well. As And if we can get any um, other black bedsheet authors here, anybody that's local, we might have room for you too if you want to pass out some candy and some uh, flyers and stuff. If I get enough black bedsheet authors, I'm going to do a special anthology just for the event that we'll all give away free to the people and sign. So anyway, um, like I said, a lot of stuff going on, and I can go on and on forever, but I have another phone to go into the show on, and um, and I can't, uh, this is Patrick James Ryan's show, so, so, okay, Francie, Francie. Well, without further ado, Nick, as you mentioned that this is Patrick James Ryan's show, let's bring him in, Mr. Pat. You know, I should get, like, uh, people clapping on my switchboard. Yeah, you should. There's plenty of... Yeah, we, we have a should. laugh track too. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, people that just laugh. Okay, let's you and I clap and we'll get a we'll get a clap track. Woo! Pastor James Ryan! Yay! Pastor James Ryan! Are you there? Hey, hey, hey! Good evening and good tidings to Francie and friends. It hey, is a good real evening treat and good tidings to you. Board. I hope I didn't blast your ear out when I screamed your no, name. Oh, you're great. It's great. It's lovely to be back on with the lovely Francie Weatherman and the handsome and multi-talented Nicholas Krabowski. It's great to get with you guys tonight. We're doing good, and let me just say, it's also an honor to be speaking with you tonight too. When as soon oh, well, as you. your book came out, I said, Nick, we got to book him right now. Get him back on the show. So here you are. Oh, that is so kind of you and guys. Much appreciated. Always great to talk to you. Oh, it's always great talking to you, too. Now, i got to ask you, I, I mentioned this before with the little introduction and everything. How are you doing in the heat? I am not. It has been brutal. So, And, and I'm paying for working out five and a half hours last Saturday oh. when the heat index was like 110 with sky-high humidity. Oh. I did a bunch of landscaping. I probably yanked out about 500 weeds to the grass. And then on or around Tuesday, started noticing, I don't know if it's poison ivy, poison oak, or if a bunch of ants bit me. Oh. But, yeah, let's just say I'm paying for it now. So I'd, I'd rather take a, a wicked body shot to the, my ribs by my kung fu teacher than uh, than be going through <laughs> this right now. So. Now, now I know in South Carolina we had fire ants. I don't know, but I think Ohio, you guys have fire ants too, don't you? No, it gets too cold for those guys in the winter, so we don't get those little boogers. But we've oh, got all kinds of oh, spiders, and we get all kinds of uh, of other biting bugs. We get smaller ant hives that like to bite uh, too. So yeah, we get yeah. we get all kinds of stuff. And in this hot humidity, they just they're everywhere. And we get we get mosquitoes oh, yeah. really oh, bad because yeah. of the humidity. Yeah. Yeah, I I I hated the humidity. Everybody when I moved to California, and uh, I worked in a garage at a, a tire garage, and all the guys were like, "Oh, it's so hot out here. I'm walking around fine." I'm like, "Dude, you guys spend five minutes in South Carolina with that humidity, you guys would be dying. You're not dying right now. Trust me, you couldn't handle South Carolina just because of the humidity. So I definitely feel you." Yep. I, I, I do not envy you at all. Well, I feel bad for you so, guys. You guys got to be getting cooked out there. You guys could fry bacon and eggs probably on the driveway. Oh, we probably could. We Oh, we should try that tomorrow. Not the bacon, though, because we don't want that to go to waste. <laughs> yeah, safe and egg fries on the driveway. You guys were over 100 we today, should, weren't you? Yeah, we, we were over 100 today. 
Yeah, yeah it was brutal. hot. I went to Walmart to go get some of those frog togs that you could put on the back of your neck after you dip them in cold water and they keep you cool for a little while. Sold out. Sure. Go figure, right? Oh, not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> so let, let's talk about your book, which is a All really right. good book. It is called you know, Out of the I, Shadows. It, yes. It's always hard doing oh, a ahead. collection of short stories. I just was going to say, oh, okay. short stories can be challenging because most people prefer novels. And I remember yeah. one of the very first horror books that I got into, a friend loaned it to me, and it was Stephen King's Night Shift. And I thought it was very well done. Oh. And I read uh, Clive Barker's Books of Blood, which was another collection of really good short stories. So I've always had a little bit of a soft spot in my heart. Uh, for short stories, and I, th- I thought that they would be ideal for traveling business people if they don't want to, you know, sink their teeth into a full-fledged novel, and they can read a quick short story while they're waiting for a, a you know, a plane and that type of thing. So I, I, I like to do a mix of short stories and novels. That's actually a good idea. Yeah. You're, you're yeah, that way you're not fully worlds. entrenched. You got it. You got it. Yeah. But it, it's challenging. You know, you've got a, only a finite period of time to try to spin a nice tale uh, and, and captivate the reader, and there's not as much breadth to it as there is a full-fledged novel. So it, it makes it challenging. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely say so. And and not to mention, I mean, writing the novel, that would actually, I mean, the full-fledged novel, that takes a lot of discipline because you have to say, I got to sit at my desk for one hour, and I at least got to write a chapter. But with the short story, you can say, "Okay, I wrote the short story. I can walk away and you know go do something else, and maybe come back to it." Exactly. Would you agree with that? And I do that with novels. I do, and I, I'm kind of weird because whenever writer's block sets in, like it does for all writers, as a writer, I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Nick will appreciate this as well. You'll hit that wall. And the words just yeah. don't flow. So I will go back to something, another novel that I'm working on. And I usually work on two or three projects at the same time. And if I've sat one down oh, for two wow. or three months while, while working on another one, I go through the paragraphs and I think, what the hell was I thinking? And then, then it's time to edit, <laughs> rewrite, add to, take away. And that way, that usually cures the writer's block. Then when I go back to the original one that I was working on where I got the writer's block, the words tend to flow. So I don't know if that makes me weird or a bit of an anomaly, but that's kind of my formula, and it works pretty effectively for me. Actually, I would have to say that's actually quite brilliant. Well, thank because you. Because a writer's that. block, it can happen a month at a time for some people. And while yes. you might have that writer's block on that first one, well, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go work on this one. And then that one's going, and then you're getting that one done, and then, no, that's actually a brilliant concept that you got going on there. Well, thank you. Congratulations. Go ahead. Go ahead, Frank. I I just was going to say that's how a lot of these short stories get launched is I'll be driving on business or I'll see something or I'll be watching something on TV or a commercial will be paired with something on TV and I get an idea and it turns into a story idea and I may be in the midst of a writer's block and then I just bang out that short story and it's done. And then I go back to the novel, wow. and it's like you know new juices and, and new mindsets there, and it just starts to flow. I think I'm going to try that because I'm actually, you know, I wrote that book Werewolf a couple of years ago, but I, yeah. I'm so writer's block this one that I don't know what to do with it. I, one of my characters were too smart, 
and I don't know what to do with them, and I'm trying to figure that out, and it's taken a little bit too long. So maybe, yeah, you're, I think you're kind of right. Maybe bang out some short stories and then maybe write on where a little bit, get those juices flowing again. That's actually oh, Patrick's idea. always I right. Patrick's always right. There's Nick. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that, my friend, but I appreciate I appreciate that. You know, I was trying to call in and I accidentally I, I looked on your uh, your your panel on your laptop, Francie, and uh I, I kept calling and calling and I realized what I was calling was the host call in. And I realized, oh, wait, it's the next number. So I was dialing and dialing the next number, and then it kept saying, not allowed, not allowed. Then I realized what I was dialing was the host pin. It's the same kind of digits, the same number of digits as a long-distance phone number. I finally saw the guest call-in number, and so here I am. (laughs) It was a long journey. Good to have you. Well, thank you for joining us, Honey Bear. Oh, sorry, yeah, I didn't okay, mean to, groovy. I called him honey from public. Groovy, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, I told you not to call me that in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my little pet name. I also call him Knickerdoodle, and when I was working at my job, whenever he would pick me up from work, and people that were outside that worked with me, when they seen him coming, everybody would scream out, Knickerdoodle! Oh, I bet he loved that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. At least I get some kind of acknowledgement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, one thing I, one question I wanted to ask you because you are coming out with short stories, book after book after book, and you're doing really well, by the way. Nick can vouch for that. You're doing very well in yourself. Um, what what story do you think inspired you the most? Like of all the stories, short stories, novels, anything, what story do you think like freaked you out the most to make you want to write it? Oh wow, that's a great question. Um, I gotta think no, about I that one because there've been so many. <laughs> yeah, you know, probably the most challenging for me to write because. Um, I, I like to get along with just about everybody, was a short story, really a novella-length short story in Bloodverse that was called Road Rage Bigot. And it was hard oh, wow. to be a bigot and be the most not, I mean, imagine Archie Bunker uh, from All in the Family on oh, steroids. Wow. The most, I mean, hates everything, hates every ethnicity, hates every uh, sexual orientation, despises women, anybody who's not just like him. And it was fun to write, yet hard to write at the same time, uh, because you, you were really putting on a hat that was foreign uh, to, to myself. But it, it's it's a there's a strong moral message to it, because there's a redemptive quality uh, to the story, because he has an, epif- an epiphany when he goes down to hell. And I don't want to spoil everything, but he faces the ultimate pain of eternity and makes the right call. So that that was a really hard story to write because it was so over the top uh, with nasty, nasty prejudicial stuff. But I think it will resonate, especially in today's society where we've got a lot of contentious points of views and it it seems like it's a struggle sometimes to get people together. Yes. Wow. I I, I think I want to definitely read that one. And we have blood workers here, right? Of course we have blood workers. I knew we had. That's his first one. Oh. And and also... uh, 
people, and also separately of Black Crows um, with, uh, oh, I'm sorry, what's their names? Becky and Jesse, Becky and Aaron and Jesse uh, Deadman. Oh, oh no, I mean the the um, yeah, but the uh, the imprint, the imprint name, the what they publish under. I forgot what it is. Or is it? Yeah, you know. Okay, yeah. Um, they um, yeah. Um, well, it's Dead Men's Tome. Um, so yeah, when I was um, when I was doing your um, the last like sentence of your biography at the end of the book. I wanted to include that as one of the things that, you know, that's out. And uh, I tried to figure out what they call themselves. And so I figured out that it's dead. I, I think it's, I think I put Dead Men's Tome Publishing. Um, yeah, they, they're right. great people. Yeah. They're great people. Um, but it, it was just, I was, um, I, I don't think that they really say the their name of their imprint like really out there like that because i i did kind of had to look i know that um under on amazon it says independently published i believe um yep. and so i i had to look but yes though it's it's and and to give them a, a good plug uh, uh just any anybody look up dead man's tome these uh these are great people they've got a great podcast and they publish great books Case in point, Patrick James Ryan. <laughs> so, Thank you. yeah. So, and that's a classic example where I was mired in uh, writer's block. I had just lost my mom in September last year and just hit a brick wall. It was really difficult. Mom had a rare form of Alzheimer's uh, that was very, very challenging uh, to deal with, and you know, she she finally succumbed to that. And I just I couldn't write i couldn't work on things and uh, becky approached me and said hey i love those poems and, and blood verse what if you topped it off and did seven more and if we got nick's permission to do a separate thing with just poems but we, but we topped it off at, at an even 20 well i found solace uh, in the writing of those extra seven and the words just came like word vomit to me and i, I view that as my mom oh. working through me up in heaven and she got me into the groove, and I got through the poems, and I got back into the groove of writing again. So I, I view that that was her uh, messaging to me to write again. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. I, I didn't know the backstory to that. He just came to me one day, messaged me one day, and said, hey, uh, we want to do this. To, can I get your permission? I said, sure. Um, but uh, uh, I didn't know the backstory to that. That's really great. That's really inspiring, too to know that uh, your powerful. mom had a part in that and uh and and you got that out with that extra seven too it's just fantastic and in everybody Thanks, listening yeah. you've got to check out that book and you got to check out all of his works he's like you know, you know um i during the day when i was thinking about this show tonight and uh uh, uh, if there's a couple of things I wanted to say to you personally, it just came to my mind that, uh, um, I, I, you know, you publish or you, well, you write, you write the kind of stuff that I, I like to publish generally most, um, because I mean, um, black bedsheet books, uh, we, we're a horror publisher, but I, I dabble in sci-fi and other things. I mean, horror, you could find horror in just about everything anyway, in all kinds of other genres. There's horror dramas, horror sci-fi, horror fantasy, horror. <laughs> so, you know, you could 
do that. Even even like I've often said, Lifetime movies have horror elements to them. Um, but I I'm drawn to like the pulpy kind of um, paperback '70s racks kind of um, kind of fiction like that where um, it's not literary like a, like like somebody's talking down to you. It's more like just a regular prose. And they tell you about monsters killing people and about laboratories, about urban fiction, about, you know, next-door neighbors and and things that just, you know, that, that pulpy kind of, you know, just, you know, just stuff like that. And um, uh, the kind of fiction that Patrick um, writes the most is is the kind of the stuff that I'm drawn to the most, too. It's um, And, you know, as a publisher... I know that it would probably behoove me business-wise to have a niche where that's my market that I'm known for, but there's so many other talents, so many, many other things. But but my point is, though, that that's uh, something that really interests me pretty much the most is that kind of thing. And and you really, you know, when you came out with Blood, Blood Verse, Patrick, and I, I just saw you, uh, your writing for the first time and everything, um, just like some of the reviews, it, it's just uh, people are drawn to that. And uh, and it, granted, it was a little rocky at first, and then you ca- with the night it got out, it's just like bam. And you know, and I, <laughs> I I had a little hand because that cover, um, I, I'm patting myself on the back, but that <laughs> but it drew people in, which a cover should. Uh, to to your fiction and that story is very pulpy. It's very you know it's not like um, like a work of Einstein. It's exactly what readers need, just for you know for entertainment. There's a monster on the loose. It's killing people. There are interesting characters involved, and and with the kind of prose that you write, um, you're I mean some people don't find this kind of thing within them until ten novels later, but you've um, uh, you pretty much found your voice by now after only a, a few. So well, but, I appreciate uh, that. You, know, you excel in that kind of, in, in those kinds of stories and stuff, just urban fantasy. There's a family in peril. There's a monster involved. There's all kinds of, you know, all that. So, yes, yes, indeedy. Anybody that's drawn to that, which there's a lot of people drawn to that stuff, uh, you've got a great future ahead. Well, thank you so much, my friend. And I, I've always wanted to. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I mean, if we play our cards right and everything, you've got a great future ahead with this. People oh, are paying attention that. to you right now. You've got you've got people that that like your other stuff so much, from the reviews that I've seen and the input that I've gotten and everything. You know. It's just people. People are drawn to you, and you. I mean, just imagine five years from now. <laughs> so yeah, I, and I think. I think a lot of it might also have to do with just like he said that he's a nice guy and he tries to get along with every everyone. And writing that story about the bigot, you know, maybe people are also drawn to him because he is also such a nice guy. I mean, we love oh, you. <laughs> well, thank you. Ditto. I. You know, I, I, one of the things I learned early on, even when I was a little kid in martial arts, is to throw your ego out the door. And if you can't take constructive criticism and suggestions, uh, then you're not going to advance. 
you got to constantly have a mindset of continuous improvement, just like Nick, Nick coached me just recently, and he's coached me before, and I'm still continuing to work on it. I have an over-tendency to capitalize way too many things that don't need to be capitalized. So grammatically, that's incorrect, and I take that to heart, and I want to fix it. So, you know, when Nick points something out or an editor that I work with uh, that's retired from Ohio State University points things out and gets her little magic red pen out and slashes up the manuscript and says, shame on you. I taught you this 10 years ago, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) Uh, I don't get offended. To me, I welcome that. If you don't welcome that, then to me, you're not going to advance. That is absolutely correct. Absolutely, 100% correct. Now, speaking of martial arts, I, I, I heard over the little Bob Wire that somebody is a second-degree black belt? Yes, I am a second-degree black belt and a Shaolin Tiger style of Kung Fu. So I know all of those different five animal forms, the classic traditional forms of the tiger, dragon, cobra, crane, Uh, monkey and and leopard and all of those but i also it's been adapted and morphed to be more of a kickboxing street fighting so it would be more adaptable to actual western fighting encounters real true uh self-defense so we work out on the classic forms and, and a form is like a dance routine only it's substituted with punches blocks kicks or in the case of a weapon movements of weapons and uh, I'm at an expert level with a single nunchuck, double nunchuck, sickle, staff, uh, sword, single sword, double sword, um, and all of those different animal forms uh, as well. So it, uh, it was very intense at one time. The school used to have a reputation uh, when I was little to being a magnet for ex-Special Forces uh, Vietnam Green Beret type guys. And Ooh, you, could, wow. you could hit you could hit them with your hardest shot, and they would just look at you like, boy, is that all you got? And my heart would just yeah. race, and I would be petrified. So, yeah, we used to go bare-knuckle fist to the face back in the day until there were too many emergency runs, and then, then he kind of, my teacher kind of watered it down. Uh, I wouldn't say watered it down. It's still kind of barbaric and insane uh, even to this day, but it's not as barbaric as when I first started taking lessons. I got to tell you, my mouth dropped when you said that. <laughs> I'm just listening. Wow. Hey, hey Patrick, uh, I know that this uh, uh, probably the odds of something like this happening might not happen, but uh, I've been wrapping my head around like having a black bed sheet convention, for example, uh, yeah. where it focuses on us, but we have, you know, all kinds of celebrities and people and hoopla. But um, <laughs> it would be great to have as an attraction at an event like that. For um, and have you and Jonathan Mayberry have a tournament together? <laughs> cool. Yeah, he's he's like a martial arts. Uh, he's like yeah, we we all know him for zombie books and and great stuff like that. But uh, he has a rich history of martial arts behind him, and he's a writer too. Fantastic. I I I knew he was a great writer. I did not know. Oh yeah, yeah. You should check out some of his martial arts books from from back in the day. We've talked about that a, a few times. Well, because I mean, I I'm I'm not uh, anywhere near the kind of caliber that you guys um, uh, say you are. Uh, when I uh, was growing up, I uh, 
uh, I, my mom took me to karate class and at the YMCA, and um, I wasn't into it at first, but I slowly started getting more interested. And then um, I found myself going to Fumio Demura's class in uh, Santa Ana, as Southern California. Um, and I was on my way to a black belt. I got as far as a brown belt, I think, if I remember right. I remember wearing a brown stripe on my white belt or having a brown belt. I'm not sure. I remember Fantastic. a lot of stuff very clearly, but that's a little fuzzy. But we used to do all the I, – I went to I, – I did all the forms, like Form 1, Form 2, Form 3, and everything. And then we had these tournaments and stuff. And then halfway through it, I just kind of dropped it, and I forgot just about everything. I remember the first half of Form 1, and that's it. Because if you do that kind of stuff enough, I've learned it's like riding a bicycle. But uh, even if you stop for like 30, 40 years. <laughs> but, um, you know, still – uh, I, I dabbled in that too, so I, you know, I just, you know, thought I'd throw that I out there. Fantastic. Well, you took you took yeah, lessons like with a very that. famous guy. I mean, Fumio Fumio is a very talented uh, martial artist. I believe he was the bad guy in the Chuck Norris movie, The Octagon, if my memory serves me right. Yeah, I learned recently that he was in movies. I did not know that. When I would go to his studio, he would have, like, Black Belt magazine covers all over the place and awards and all kinds of – so I, I knew very well his fame back then. Um, and uh, and it was really neat. I mean, uh, compared to the YMCA, when I put, was thrust into that environment, it was, it was a total, like um, – uh, it was completely different. It was more serious, and uh, uh, and and it was really neat. My parents were going to like a strict church at the time that said that the meditation that you do before you get into it was allowing demons to come in and enter your mind. So they kind of oh, took me wow. out of it, and I I slowly started losing interest anyway, um, uh, because I was just into you know my own stuff back then. Uh, had nothing to do with sports or, or anything physical for some reason. I kind of wish, because I really, looking back, I really respect the, um, the the exercise and the ideology behind it. I mean, you don't have to defend yourself. It's very good in um, and very spiritual, um, and it's something different from just like Richard Simmons' workouts. You know, you don't have to like prepare to fight anybody. Uh, or to defend yourself, you might never have to defend yourself. It's just, uh, it, it's good for the body and the mind. Uh, it definitely is. I, I was trained by shape, Mike. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I was go trained ahead. by Mike Geneva and Keith Vitale. Okay, I've seen Keith in movies too. Yeah. Yeah, American Ninja. Oh wow. Well. Yeah. Yeah, he was the American That's so Ninja. Cool. He's a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, looking at uh, your photos and what you've told me and everything, Tim, I mean, that is serious stuff that compared to, like, you know, just taking classes. But that's my little claim to I, I personal fame was that I knew Fumio Demuro and all that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you could, you could kick my ass any day, uh, Patrick. <laughs> really. Uh, as you get older, you can't stretch like you used to, and uh, it's harder to, to keep the weight off as you get older. It, uh, it, uh, it, it's. But you're right; it does stick with you like a bike. And I, and I think 
heavy conditioning on the bag keeps me in shape. There's nothing like bag work. If you go 20 minutes, full go with punches and kicks on a bag, you can take your shirt off and just wring it out like you got out of the shower. Well, you know what? It just occurred to me. You should write like a novel, a horror novel uh, with creatures in it about um, um, uh, karate tournaments and that, that environment. And stuff. You know, you wouldn't have to do any research for it. You, you know it. So that's a good idea. You should like do that as like a karate like zombie. Like book or the karate kid. Make it like the karate kid. Make it yeah, like the zombies of... eat everybody in the karate kid. <laughs> or or creatures. Eat <laughs> Ralph Macchio. Sure, that is one of your big. Uh, Big things in life, you you have like all the knowledge you need to like write a good book with characters that 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 are believable karate experts and and uh, you know and you could have like a main character of a guy that doesn't know karate that comes in and he actually ends up being a creature. Something I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I like it. <laughs> yeah, you should. You and I think alike. You infuse a little bit of that part of you into is something. Yeah, I've, I've had one on the back burner of my mind about, and it's kind of Shogun meets Ninja Assassin, and it takes place kind of uh-huh. in medieval Japan. So this rising political figure is a threat to the status quo, and he's earmarked to be assassinated, but he's not there. So they kill his wife, they kill his daughter, but they take the 18-month-old boy, and for 14 hours a day, they train him on everything, on how to kill, on how to fight, all the weaponry, all the magic potions, everything that's mired in ninjutsu. And he oh, rises wow. to the level of being the greatest assassin and the highest paid assassin in all of Japan. And the story starts out where he's given a contemporary assignment uh, to murder this political guy. And, of course, he has this huge allegiance to the clan, the clan's his family. And as he starts to do his due diligence in planning out the attack on this political figure, he finds out that the guy's a good guy. He'll actually be great for Japan. He's a good moral man, and that it's actually his biological father that he was kidnapped from when he was 18 months old. So he's torn. Does he, does he st- stick with the allegiance to the clan, or does he now stick to the allegiance of his biological father, who's a good guy? And the title's called Honor Bound, and I'm still playing around with it in my mind. Wow, that's, that's actually quite that's brilliant. Awesome. Uh, so you're way steps ahead of, of what I just said, <laughs> which is yeah. great. Yeah, you see, yeah. I mean, you write what you know, um, generally. I mean, there's a lot of people that have great ideas and they have to go out and they research, but it's easier to write what you already know. So it is. That, that's yep. great to know that you're fooling around with that that part of your life and your fiction. Yeah, at some point I got to write a good martial art uh, show. So when I was in college, they they had this old rundown theater on campus at Ohio State, and they showed porn stuff during the day, and then they showed on Friday and Saturday nights, they showed cult classics. So I think that was the first time I saw Led Zeppelin's Song Remains the Same, you know, 10 years after it had been out or whatever, and um, the kids, the uh, the the kids are all right by the who. Jimmy plays Berkeley about Hendrix. So the Warriors, all those kind of cult classic uh, movies. But they also showed Enter the Dragon. And as soon as I saw Bruce Lee on the screen, oh, Enter the Dragon, yeah. I said, I want to be that. 
And then wow. about six months later, I met my teacher, who was the most like Bruce that I could find. And then, as they say, the rest is history. So. Wow. Whoa. Now hey, that, say, that, what do you think that... of Donnie Yen? I like him. I think he's very talented. He, I mean, to me, nobody will ever reach the pinnacle of Bruce Lee. There'll never be another Bruce Lee. He's my all-time favorite. He's like my icon. But there's a lot of talent out there, and I like Donnie. Yeah, I I discovered Ip Man last year, and I've seen all of them now. Uh, and uh, and he was uh, Bruce Lee's mentor. They actually show that off in, at the end of every uh, Ip Man movie. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I was just uh, really impressed. That opened me up to a whole world of, like, uh, Japanese and Chinese, well, Asian martial arts movies and things that I've been kind of collecting, mostly horror um, martial arts Asian movies, <laughs> that, like uh, oh, cool. the, the incredible stuff of people fighting zombies and ghosts and nice. witches and things. It's great stuff. But yeah. Speaking so. of Asian horror, did you ever see that one about that crazy girl? It was a Japanese-made film. It was called Audition. Oh, oh yeah, I, I was talking to Francie was telling me because I've been like uh, lately kind of building up my uh, my uh, collection, my like Blu-ray collection with some really offbeat uh, horror movies that I've never heard of in my life. Uh, uh, and uh, um, and I was talking to Francie about a few of them, and Francie was mentioning something about uh, there's a scene in uh, this Japanese horror movie that she watched where this girl is straddling this guy and she has like a uh, a needle against his eye and and uh and and we figured out that it was audition and yeah i i got that <laughs> yeah yep, that's I, freaky that's that, and, and there's other yeah, uh, they they I, come I, out with all kinds of stuff like that those those auditions. asians you know <laughs> so beautiful I rented audition years ago um from blockbuster because I was watching entertainment tonight and they said this is the creepiest, most scariest horror movie that you could see in today's time. So I thought, okay, I'm going to rent it. it. It's freaky. It is very freaky. Some of the foreign-made ones are catching up with American ones. I've seen a couple recently. I saw the movie Martyrs. Have you guys seen that one? I haven't uh, seen no, it, no, I haven't heard of that one. Oh, it's intense. I won't, I won't tell you anything more other than to watch it, because if I say anything, it'll spoil it for you. But it starts out. It does, it start, <laughs> I just it saw this like cool one. It, 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 I, oh, yeah? What? Sorry. It, it doesn't oh, end like I, you think I, it's I going I saw to. this it's cool intense. one recently, just the other night, actually, called The Oily Monster from Japan. No, from China. China. Uh, the Oily Monster, and I think it's a late 60s, early 70s movie about a guy that seeks revenge on, on uh, some people, um, and he uh, douses himself with oil, and he can become liquid, oily liquid, and crawl up on the walls and on the ceiling underneath the doors like the blob, and then, then become a humanoid like Oily Monster, and he starts like uh, people like you know, use martial arts on him, and uh, and he just like hits them, and and they die. <laughs> Stuff. It's a little cheesy, but it's really great. I never knew. That's one of the movies that I've been collecting lately that I never knew existed. Uh, 
and um, it turns out that the guy that played the oily monster is um, in one of my favorite all-time um, Japanese um, action flicks, uh, besides Hard Boiled, The Killer. He played Chow Yun-Fat's um, partner or nemesis in The Killer. Uh, oh, so, wow. like, we could, if you know about, like, like John Woo films and everything, we could have, like, like hours of conversation about stuff like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But love them. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, so <laughs> as a matter of fact, we can uh, we can have conversations about all kinds of stuff, Patrick. Um, I'm so busy, we hardly ever talk anyway, but uh, uh, except online. Um, yeah, but uh, love to talk uh, one of these days, you know, you gotta, um, I, I think I even talked to you about making like a Making appearances yes. uh, to sign books and stuff. Yes. It's how how of, are uh, you on that? I would love to do that, and I, I know it's it would be a long drive. But my wife has, let's see, my Molly. Of course, we're Irish Catholic, so Molly is the youngest of twelve, and she's got three sisters and and three brothers that live out in Poway, Murrieta, and Escondido in the San Diego area. And I know that's the, you guys are polar opposite ends of the, ends of the state, but at least, uh, you know, if we came out for a visit, at least I would be in California. Oh, I'm not necessarily talking about coming all the way over here, but you're more than welcome to, and yeah, and all that and a bag of chips, of course. But, I mean, just, you know, just um, going out like maybe locally, too. And stuff, but I mean, if you could figure it out, I'd like for example, love to have you over here on Halloween. I've been reaching out to some authors too, especially local authors like Raina Young, if you're listening. <laughs> um, uh, but um, but uh, yeah, just, uh, appearances in general as well. Um, just getting out and actually doing really cool book signings. Your public wants you, Patrick. Your public cool. wants you. Yeah, I need to get. I need to find some of the local places here. I thought I had one gig lined up, and then they 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 have a tendency to do more nonfiction than fiction. And then I re- reached out to Barnes and Noble and churned the numbers, and it was probably gonna, actually going to be a losing proposition. Uh, so I thought, you know, well, I guess I can take a loss as long as I get my name out there. So that's probably something I probably should have vetted out better with you. Well, yeah, yeah, um, but uh, you know that's okay. Um, I mean, um, yeah, uh, uh, I, I feel like I want to talk cryptically, uh, but um, uh, I know that you've um, had um, a lot of stuff going on with your with your work, with jobs, with your job, yes, and uh, with family and everything, and that you don't really get out as Patrick James Ryan at all um and lately like talk conversations like this it it seems like you're uh you'd like to um and uh, and stuff um but uh maybe you know we'll we'll work something out well between us we'll work something out and then let yeah. the public know all about it whatever you i think you know what, what i'm talking about 
Absolutely. I've seen, yeah, I see Fred yeah. post all the time that he does, and he does a really good job, it seems, of of uh, getting out there and, and mingling with the public, because I see a lot of Fred's posts, and it looks like great stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And uh, and other authors do, too. <laughs> um, I, you know, and I, I've been saying this for a long time, that uh, if, um, you know, you have a book to pimp, to the world that you're proud of uh, You get somebody to publish it It really helps a lot um, To uh, And and I mean you, you're You're a published you're, um, you're a promoting powerhouse Online and stuff And it's nothing that you're not doing anything Wrong um, But there are authors that just don't do anything um, Let alone You know go out but Let alone they, you know, they might like post on Like on Facebook um, and I've seen it, you know, with other publishing houses, everything, just in general, um, that they just kind of expect um, uh, whoever publishes the book to just, like, uh, go and just do it. Um, and, uh, and you're nothing like that. Like I said, you're, you're a powerhouse. But as far as, um, as, far as uh, getting your face out there and things, uh, people want to know more about you um, personally, too. We'll talk a cool. little bit more about that. <laughs> yeah, but, I, like, uh, yeah. I like where you're going with that. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I, I, I think it's about time. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. So I, we'll talk more about that further. But, uh, sounds uh, good. So, and, yeah, and the so, name just um, came to me. Yeah. I, I was di- digressing. The name just came to me because I think in my fraternity they had her tapes on 24/7 nonstop, and every uh, every single one of my fraternity brothers and I fell in love with her. The lady you were talking about earlier was Tracy Lords, I bet. Tra- yeah, it was Tracy. Yeah, she's going to be at Sinister Creature Con with us, with me and Francie and everybody. You're welcome to actually, you know, if if you need to, if you want to get out. Um, I know it's in California, and it's just you know it's a convention. I, I actually, if you're capable of doing anything like that, I and it takes money to actually travel. I'd rather you be here on Halloween, but that's another story. But yeah, um, uh, Tracy Lords is we're actually we'll probably walk away with a nice little uh, eight by ten autograph thing of hers to put in our wall of cool people. Um, cool, but uh, that's. Yeah, I, I, it's so good to, personally for me to actually get back out again. Like you were talking about with your mom with Alzheimer's, for those who don't know that are listening, too, I've got a problem with my parents. I'm taking care of them. They both, well, my dad's diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but my mom can't remember her own grandson who's here um, and his name or who he is. And, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, stuff like that. So, um it's hard to get out of the house, but I've been finding ways, and and it took a little while. I've kind of uh, wrapped my head around things, and I think I got going thing, things here a little bit better where I can actually, especially locally, get out, but especially run black bed sheet books more efficiently, too. I'm very sure. conscious about uh, what people think of all that with what goes on here and well, can he run the company fine? Uh, (laughs) Yes, I can. And, uh, you know, case in point, 
we're pumping out books this summer, which is one of yours too. And I'm really proud of that cover. Big spider. Oh, cool. Big spider. <laughs> Makes people yeah, go yikes. Everybody looks yeah, everybody says that. Of the nine, people seem yeah. to migrate to that spider story more than any of the other other ones that are in that collection. Oh, good. Yeah, because with uh, the night it got out, I I uh, I kind of thought, I, you know what? Your spider story in the book is a standout story, and uh, I know that it came out. Um, was it part of a collection recently, or was it a standalone that? It was in Read Us or Die. It was also in a Father's Day anthology, and now and formally in Out of Out of the Shadows, which it was originally intended to be to begin with. Oh my gosh, where am I? I can't remember that it was in Read Us or Die. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. have to admit that. I'm going to have to look at that book again. <laughs> Uh, the thing is, uh, so many, like, there's no wonder it was familiar. But, uh, yeah, but I just kind of thought, you know, maybe I'm thinking of another story. But no, wow, wow. So, hey, so that's cool. So what I was saying, though, is uh, is uh, I just thought that I'd make it, like, um, if you come up with another creature novel or something, too, I'll probably focus on a face of the creature because that I was really anxious to do that with this too Be, because of the night it got out I thought that that worked so let's take a central creature character in the book and just focus on what it would look like what I can what I can do my best to make it look like so it looked cool <laughs> so it was cool so and I got to confess on night it got out I have never seen the reaction response the compliments the private messages who did that cover that cover is so freaking awesome I'm going to buy the book just on that cover I mean that cover was just the pinnacle it just was freaking awesome in the night it got out yeah if I do say something, I mean yeah I I have to yeah, agree. I'm very Nick satisfied was actually... with you. And I did that. I, I just, you know, I mean, I, I tried to, as a publisher, I tried to learn all the ropes, including figuring out, I can't draw, but if I could figure out um, how to do it graphically, just being a, a graphic artist and just put sure. together, like have a concept and then uh, uh, and then just tweak images, mesh things together, do the whole Photoshop and just kind of make it work and look completely original. And that's what I try to do with my covers. And it, sometimes, you know, regardless of the inspiration or what I think of at first with it, it bottom line is it should represent, a, co- a good cover should represent what the book is about. Um, if it has nothing to do with the book, then what? You know, have a cover and draw the people in. And that's, that's my number one rule for that. And, uh, I mean, you know, I've come up with good covers over the years. I've come up with less than good covers that I either would have to revise or just, you know, I mean, fair to midline. I think any good cover, anybody that doesn't draw or, or you know, like me, it's pretty much like that, too. It just depends. But I really strive for that, and I'm really glad that I, I, I did a good one with this too. I mean, you know, it's like when I first sit down and I have the idea in mind 
for a cover. I uh, I'm really kind of frightened about the end result because I really have no idea how it's going to work out. I just Google images of stuff and ideas and concepts, lots of dead bodies <laughs> over the years, lots of naked sure. people, so I could like find clothes and put them on it and you know do all that stuff. So it's like I get really nervous. Is this going to work out, or is it going to take, like, a lot longer than I thought because it's going to suck? I was trying to work with yours and work with yours, and it just didn't turn out right. And then it just clicked one night. Um, well, you nailed it because the compliments are flowing in. Too. Well, you did it. You nailed yeah, it because the compliments yeah. on that one are flowing in. And as for the night it got out, I, th- I think I, I've got night it got out groupies. And they're IMing me asking for a sequel, and I'm thinking of maybe doing one called The Night They Got Out. And the premise would oh, be wow. that, uh, that Gerard, the sheriff uh, from The Night It Got Out, is still locked up because he knows way too much about that secret covert stuff. And they're continuing to breed them to fight the Colombian drug lords uh, in Central America. And there's a massive earthquake, and they get walled in in NORAD, and all, all the power goes out, and the creatures get out. So there's 70-some military people and the Sheriff Gerard that got to fight their way through, six of them. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's so that's awesome. Kind of, I've been kind that's of, awesome. And again, no writing yet, but it's kind of, again, just floating around in my head. That, that, well, that's cool. That's great that you have a lot of things floating around in your head. <laughs> and sanctuaries floating around in my head because you sent it to me, and I got to get shit <coughs> off my butt and get going on that. So I've got there's just there's just just not enough hours in the day, as you know well. Yeah, I know. I mean, if only we could stop time. Yeah, we yeah, could stop time and just pump out a few books and then start time again and go, hey. <laughs> I wish I could clone myself to handle the day job and write full time. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to do a lot more writing um, too. Uh, I'm trying to make my schedule so that I can force myself to sit down and read um, for a certain part of the day, and then do some of my own writing for a certain part of the day, and then get on with the publishing and uh, you know all that. Uh, you got any yeah. special projects you're working on right now? Well, um, not uh, not as far as sitting down and writing, but I've got things developing because um, I uh, I still have you know uh, the, all the Grabowski stuff that I have to show to the world. So now I have some help. Um, I've got horns, Terry horns. Uh, is like 37 chapters into a realization of my uh, 1988, 1989 novel, Batman. Um, cool. And uh, he's turned it into something. I gave that to him. I gave a screenplay to you, too. We'll talk about that. Absolutely. <laughs> but yep. he's, he's uh, been really working. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then uh, since uh, Shot in the Dark Comics, Scream in the Dark Comics that came out with my Looks Like a Rat to Me comic book. Um, they don't exist anymore, but Gene um, uh, Tipton told me that he um, out and out bought um, 
the stuff for the other comics that he was coming out with me that people have drawn. So I've taken over that. And my story at the Yuletide thing, it's already drawn. I found um, some guys in Chile, actually, that uh, will colorize it for me. And it's going to be the official first Black Bedsheet Books comic. Uh, so we're getting into comics that way. Where I really want this to come out. So it's already been drawn, all the panels, everything. So all I need is to hire colorists. And I think I found some that will do a good job for a reasonable price. And, uh, and that's coming up too as well. So without me actually physically being involved yet, I mean, I want to sit down with Horns is what is done, which is incredible. That sounds great. That a little bit. That's, uh, while I'm publishing books, I, um, I figured out to, like, come out with some Grabowski stuff on the side anyway. <laughs> yeah, as you should. I love, I love the comic idea. Yeah, yeah. It will uh, get me into dabbling with comics more uh, because basically there's outlets out there that you can pretty much uh, use their print-on-demand resources to come out with comics. And then as we get better, we can probably employ print for them, but one thing at a time, though. Um, just, you know, I need people with talent that can put together a comic, and I'll publish it, basically. Um so, yeah, so that's that's on the horizon. Uh, also, in general, for black bedsheet books, audio books are on the horizon, too. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Because people can pop yeah. up in the car when they got windshield time if they're traveling on business, and that's awesome. Oh, exactly. And I just uh, got some insider news from um, one of the emails I've, I subscribe to with the business that uh, – Paperback book sales have been down this year so far, but audiobooks went up like 25%. Wow. So would you have the authors so, narrate? Uh, just general sales, general sales in the U.S., I think. No, no, I'm curious about the audio. Would you, have, would you have the authors narrate their own stories? Uh, well, Audiobooks in general, I, I, I don't know if I would. I I could. I mean, I could do anything I wanted to. Um, that would be very interesting. I never even thought of that. Mostly other people, like actors, voice actors and stuff. But, you know, yeah, I would have. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. That would be interesting to do. We'd have to... Uh, figure out how to record it in a crystal clear way, not just, you know, have a microphone com on, from your computer. But, um, and I know that Andrew, uh, I mean, uh, Alexander Beresford, who wrote Charla for Black Bedsheet, um, he's done voice stuff too. So we have resources uh, for that that I'm looking into. Also, other outside companies that, I mean, I get emails all the time, hey, um, we'd like to make a deal with you about uh, this, about your website, about audiobooks, about this and stuff. And so, you know, some of them are just bogus, but some of them I really pay attention to. Like I mentioned earlier on the show tonight, too, um, uh, foreign distributors for our books. And that I'm about to make a deal with. 
I love that. That's a whole untapped market. I think that's awesome. Yeah, well, definitely. You can't just rely on um, on uh, overseas Amazon. <laughs> um, exactly. That helps too, though. You know, with Amazon now that they uh, that CreateSpace uh, became KDP and their uh, uh, their own entity, No More CreateSpace. One good thing I found about that is um, when you order books for an author that's in another country, you don't have to pay extra postage. The Amazon in that country prints them out there. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, which is great. great. So because before, um, some of the authors that I have in the UK, when they want copies, I have to order from Amazon US, and then it costs like extra postage, like three or four times, to actually go over to the UK. But the UK there will print instead. So that's like great. So I can have authors from Zimbabwe. That's great. Uh, yeah, and they can have as many authors' copies as they want to for their authors' prices without all the extra, you know, bullshit with the prices with the postage. That's good. I'm surprised they didn't do that years ago, just to make it easier for authors to reach a broader audience, and and everybody would win because everybody'd make money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, things are slowly advancing. Uh, you know, a lot of problems that I had with those types of things early on as a publisher uh, that I'd like to see are slowly starting to come true. Not all, but some. Okay. Good. Awesome. Well, just keep plugging away. I've, my goal is to make us both millionaires. Yeah, that's my goal, too. <laughs> Me and you and all of my authors, we could all be millionaires together. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Do you feel sometimes yeah. just like a voice out in the wilderness in this big miasma of uh, of all these different publishing places and all these different books to read and just getting heard and known seems to be half the battle? Yeah, it's most of the battle, really. Uh, even even if you um, you can uh, have a few good book signings and you can. Uh, you can uh, go all over the internet, but ultimately, all when all is said and done, you can really feel good about yourself that you have a book that's out, and you can be piss poor, and that's really good. But then wrapping your head around the not being piss poor part, um, that uh, takes a lot of ingenuity nowadays because there's so much competition, but you can do it. And, you know, well, you know, I say again, case in point, I, I, I don't know why I keep saying that phrase, case in point, a lot tonight, but um, you, um, uh, it, it's good that you, uh, you, you finally have a face and go out and, like, greet the public and do book signings and stuff. I think that's, that's the next step for you, my friend. I agree. It's timely now that I've got a resume and I've got a series of books and I can take them all with me and uh, and people know me. I think the time is right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that more. We'll figure it out, too. Um, yeah, I and, would love uh, to. And all that in a bag of chips. Sounds um, good to me. So, Francie, talk. 
Yes, here. <laughs> you guys were having such a great conversation, I didn't want to interrupt. I kind of thought that uh, me being on the show, and and uh, I tried to get Tom Sawyer, Francis tried to get Tom Sawyer to be on too, and that would have been wonderful, but he's been offline, and it was the last minute, we tried to get him like 10 minutes before the show, so, but um, I kind of figured that it would be, once I got online, uh, on the show, we would get into more personal, like um, writing type conversations and things, and uh, which we very well did. That's why I asked sure you to co-host. That's yeah, why I asked sure you to did. be on. And, and I know that you really like Patrick James Ryan, and I knew that you would really like to talk to him one-on-one. Oh, yeah. Who's that? All night. Who's that again? Patrick. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I thought I pronounced his name wrong. I was like, wait, no, I said his name right. I was just making a funny. Well, actually, we are about to be cut off. Um, Patrick, before we get cut off, please tell everybody where they can find you. So I am at Black Bedsheet Books, and I have my author page there through Nick uh, and Black Bedsheets Books. And I am on Amazon and Smashwords and BarnesandNoble.com and Amazon UK and literally dozens and dozens of other websites that Nick uh, uh, has uh, on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Facebook under Patrick James Ryan. Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at PJR. Um, I forget what it is, but uh, you just go Patrick James Ryan. You'll find me and you'll see I use the standard icon of Nick's famous cover from the night it got out. So that is visible to everybody and then they'll know who they're dealing with. And and you do your own Facebook, like nobody's doing your Facebook page. If somebody messages you, you're going to message them right back yourself, right? Yeah, I've taken the promo. Hopefully I'm not offending people, but I do what I call promo blasts because it's really the only way without a, you know, a, a huge budget to promote. So the, just, you know, this weekend alone I hit about 1.7 million people nice. now if 0.5 percent of them see it and then 0.2 percent of them buy it then that that's a good use of the time because obviously not everybody's going to see the posts nice you know i i saw uh when patrick was uh uh doing something similar on facebook and uh social media with uh the night it got out and he became uh, one of our best-selling authors, uh, next to The Price of Fear, out of yeah. out of all the books. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, Patrick, I got to tell you, when we were at that convention the last time, and guess who we met? We met Flash. Ah, uh, he's American hero. Did you see the interview that Nick and I did with Flash Gordon? No, but I heard about it. I'll have to go back. Oh, I'll have to send you a copy of it. He was great. He was such a cool guy. But, uh, yeah, I'll send you that. Um, But your book sold out one of the fastest on the table that Nick had. 
Oh, that is great. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. That makes my night. It is That's a pack cool. of hobbies, and, and people were drawn to that. And, uh, yeah. yeah, he sold that, out. That was one of the first books he sold out of. Was that night it got out? Yep. Yeah, I'm not surprised. That cover's just so cool. <laughs> yeah, people loved it. People people loved That's it. They, they're they like, what is this one? Cool. We're like, it. oh. Hopefully they'll like it and they'll post some good reviews and they'll keep going from there. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the first ones to sell out. We had nice. a couple of kids that came up to the table and they were like, okay, so we and Raina Young did very well too because right. she, the she's great. kids wanted she's she's such a sweetheart. To know Raina is to love Raina. Miss <laughs> 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 Misery. She actually directed a movie that you could buy on Amazon on DVD. Oh, cool. I I haven't met her in person, but social media-wise, she just seems like a lovely lady. She is, without a doubt. She's funny and she's lovely. Oh, yeah, damn it. Yeah, John. Yeah. John Gillette. Yeah, it was really cool. I came home from work one day, and Renee and John was in our living room. I was like, hey. Cool. Like, hey. (laughs) Yeah, that was the first time. Yeah. 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 All right. That that British woman is about to cut us off. We should do it with the song with instead of cutting out with the cement. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It has been our pleasure. You're such a lovely person. Well, I appreciate you guys just as much. Ditto right back at you. person and a legal weapon. Well, I'll keep cranking them out as yeah. long as you're so, still keep publishing them, my friend. Oh, oh thank you. I, I really appreciate you, too. Well, we'll be in touch soon. I look forward to chatting with you, my friend. Yes, 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 indeed. We've we've got some uh, some stuff to talk about. Like appearances. I think some good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for her. Fancy. She stepped in so that you could go back to her switchboard. All right. Sounds good. So should I let you guys go? Are we yeah. wrapping up? Or? All right. Uh, well, again, we thank you guys so much. Un- Getting a a song on there. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's doing it. She's doing it. <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, uh, I'm glad that I uh, co-hosted with Francie too because there's a lot to talk about and stuff. A lot to talk about. up this morning looking for my shoes look behind the trunk found the hesitation blues lordy tell me how long lordy tell me how long will i have to wait will i have to wait can i get you now can i get you now must i hesitate Take 
me rock away from here. Lordy, tell me how long. Lordy, tell me how long. Well, I have to wait. Well, I have to wait. Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.